This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the Internet at www.rri.ro channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn and via satellite Eurosat 16A on 11.512 MHz vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east, symbol rate 29.950 megasymbols per second, standard DVB-S2, modulation 8PSK, audio PID 510. We wish you good reception conditions. Hello, I'm Lukamera Rasmian with the news. First, the top stories. The gas deposits in Romania exceeded on Friday, the falling rate of 90%, the Prime Minister Nicolae Ciucă announced. 14 NATO countries, including Romania plus Finland, have signed a letter of intent for the development of a common air defense shield. And a trilateral Bulgaria-Greece-Romania meeting is taking place in Sofia today on the issue of European affairs. Romania's gas storage filling level exceeded on Friday 90%, and Romanians and the economy will have at their disposal the entire amount of gas necessary to get through this winter, regardless of what the weather will be like, the Prime Minister Nicolae Tuca announced. He asked the responsible institutions to continue the intense pace of gas storage and to manage the necessary amounts very carefully. In June, the European Parliament approved plans to restore gas stocks for all member states to a level of at least 80%. Gas storage capacities were listed as a critical structure, and the recommendation was that, as far as possible, states should reach a 90% filling capacity. 14 NATO countries, including Romania plus Finland, have signed a letter of intent for the development of a common air defense shield called the European Sky Shield. The initiative belongs to Germany, and the European Shield could be equipped with the Aero 3 missile interception system developed by Israel and the US and with the American Patriot system. The placement of such anti-missile batteries in several countries would allow for a complete and efficient defense of the European airspace, and the costs would be lower for each individual state, Mirta NATO Deputy Secretary General, said in Brussels where the document was signed. More on this issue after the news. The Bulgarian Foreign Ministry is hosting today a trilateral meeting of Bulgaria, Greece and Romania on the issue of European affairs. Romania is represented by the State Secretary for European Affairs, Daniela Gutmann. The previous meeting of the three countries took place in May in Athens, amid the challenges generated by Russia's military aggression against neighboring Ukraine. The meeting then sought to strengthen the cooperation between Romania, Greece and Bulgaria at the European and regional levels. Regional developments in the context of the Russian Federation's military aggression against Ukraine, 
the prospects for EU enlargement, the current situation in the Western Balkans, the energy crisis and the migration management have been addressed. The value of agricultural production in Romania in 2021 stood at almost 104 billion lei, approximately 21 billion euros, according to the data provided by the National Institute of Statistics published on Friday. Crop production has the largest share, over 71%, followed by livestock production, 27%. Compared to 2020, the biggest increases were reported in the southeast development regions of Ilfov and South Montenia, the northeast, center, and southwest Oltenia regions. In exchange, decreases were recorded in the west and the northwest regions. In Bucharest, the Special Parliamentary Commission for Justice Laws completed the article-by-article debate on the draft law regarding the status of judges and prosecutors. It is the last bill in the package of three laws developed by the government in the field of justice, along with the law on the organization of the Superior Council of Magistracy and the one on the organization of the judiciary. The three documents subject to debate in the Special Commission did not undergo significant changes compared to the form adopted by the Chamber of Deputies. Out of the thousands of amendments submitted, only those of the Superior Council of Magistracy and of the High Court of Cassation and Justice were admitted. The Special Parliamentary Committees will give the reports for the three justice laws on Monday. The final vote on the new laws will take place in the Senate Plenum meeting, which is the decision-making body in this case. And now to end the news bulletin, here is a reminder of the top stories. The gas deposits in Romania exceeded on Friday the filling rate of 90%, the Prime Minister Nikolai Tuka announced. 14 NATO countries, including Romania plus Finland, have signed a letter of intent for the development of a common air defense shield. And a trilateral Bulgaria-Greece-Romania meeting is taking place in Sofia today on the issue of European affairs. Several European countries have decided to jointly procure air defense systems to protect the continent under a newly created European Sky Shield initiative. I'm Elena Enake with more on this topic in a report by Corina Krista. The initiative of a joint air defense system has been championed by German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, who sees it as a security gain for all of Europe. In a speech delivered in Prague in August, he said such system would be more economical and efficient than national systems. The idea was welcomed, especially in East European countries, which are concerned about an escalation of the conflict started by the Russian Federation in the neighboring Ukraine. The European Sky Shield Initiative entered a new stage on Thursday when 14 NATO countries, Romania included, and Finland signed a letter of intent with a view to carrying out this plan. 
the signatory countries intend to first purchase Patriot medium-range defense systems produced by the United States and then the Aero 3 system manufactured by Israel and the U.S., designed to neutralize longer-range threats such as intercontinental missiles and even satellites. Installing these systems in several countries would offer a complete and effective defense of the European space. Costs would also be smaller for each participating state, NATO Deputy Secretary General Mircea Joana said in Brussels. Mircea Joana. It aims to enable European allies to procure these much-needed capabilities better and faster and to optimize their costs. It should also bring synergy among allies with similar urgent requirements, covering the full spectrum of the air and missile defense needs. It should promote interoperability and their integration with each other and with NATO's integrated air and missile defense. This is an important effort to generate more resources and to ensure that the needed capabilities are procured and deployed quickly. The new assets, fully interoperable and seamlessly integrated within the NATO air and missile defense, would significantly enhance our ability to defend the alliance from all air and missile threats, Mircea Joana explained. The signing of the letter of intent by Romania alongside Belgium, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic, Estonia, Germany, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania, the Netherlands, Norway, Slovakia, Slovenia, the United Kingdom and Finland was made in preparation for the next steps of the plan. Any other state may join the European Sky Shield initiative as the project unfolds. Romania has begun delivering to the Republic of Moldova a third of this country's electricity demand. I'm Cristina Mateescu with this report by Bogdan Matei. The majority Romanian-speaking Republic of Moldova is receiving electricity from Romania from Thursday night. The supply contract was signed by the Romanian company Hydroelectrica and the Moldovan company Energocom, for 100 megawatts per hour and covers Moldova's needs after the neighboring Ukraine, invaded by Russian troops, had to suspend electricity deliveries because of damages to its energy infrastructure caused by enemy shelling. Before that, Ukraine was providing a third of Moldova's electricity demand. Radio Romania's correspondent in Chisinau note that the supply of electricity by Romania became possible after the synchronization of Moldova's energy grid with that of the European Union as early as March, when the war was still in its early days. Moreover, says the Romanian energy minister Virgil Popescu, Moldova will be able to buy electricity from Romania at a lower price than that on the free market, at some 90 euros per megawatt per hour. The Moldovan Deputy Prime Minister Andrei Spunu said in a statement that thanks to the openness and warm support provided by Romania to our citizens, we know we are not alone and that we have a friend we can rely on in situations of maximum emergency, Romania. Moldova's President Maya Sandu also said that the decision of the Romanian state to supply her country with a third of its electricity demand amounts to providential support in times of crisis. We appreciate this prompt and generous support in these challenging times for us, she said, while also urging her citizens to save electricity where possible. 
Established on some of the former Eastern Romanian territories annexed by Stalin's Soviet Union in 1940 following an ultimatum, the Republic of Moldova became independent in 1991 and has since enjoyed a constant political, diplomatic, economic and social support from Romania. The latest gesture comes ahead of winter, at a time when, like all other EU member states, Romania itself is not doing too well when it comes to electricity. A week ago, President Klaus Johannes said a decent saving plan was called for, having earlier promised that Romanians would not suffer from cold and would not run out of electricity in their homes. And that was Radio Newsreel. Listener's Day on Radio Romania International. Dear friends, Sunday the 6th of November 2022 will be Listener's Day on Radio Romania International, celebrated a week after the Romanian Radio Day, marked on the 1st of November. 2022 will go down in history and equally in the collective memory as a very special year, but not like the year the whole world emerged out of the pandemic, as most of us would have expected. On the morning of February the 24th, the old continent was shattered by an armed conflict after almost 80 years of peace. Large-scale propaganda and disinformation campaigns meant to create chaos and confusion have also become part of the confrontation. The information warfare is not a new kind of reality. However, its effects have become more visible than ever against the backdrop of the war in Ukraine because the war has brought a real explosion of fake news and disinformation with it. In this year's edition of Listener's Day on Radio Romania International, we ask you what sources of information about the war in Ukraine are the most reliable for you? How can you identify fake news from real news? How vulnerable you think you are to disinformation. Have you removed from your list the sources of information proven to be spreading fake news and disinform the public? Which is the role that public radio, and an international radio station in particular, plays in your life during this period of time? We are looking forward to receiving your answers, which will be included in our show on the 6th of November. You can email them to us at engl at rri.o, post them on Facebook, or send them as a comment to this article on Radio Romania International's website at www.rri.o. If you like, you can also send us pre-recorded answers via WhatsApp at plus four zero seven double four three one two six five zero or you can send us your telephone number so we can call you from the studio and record your opinions. Thank you.
You are listening to Radio Romania International. The future starts today. Welcome to The Future Starts Today. I am Lucrana Rasmion with a feature on energy from renewable sources. The energy sector is responsible for around three quarters of the global greenhouse gas emissions, a powerful reason for which switching to clean forms of energy production and improving energy efficiency should be considered vital. In a report published this week, the UN World Meteorological Organization warns that if the world does not move faster towards clean energy sources to slow down the climate crisis, more extreme weather conditions and water stress will put our energy security at risk and could even compromise our renewable energy supply. Time is not on our side and our climate is changing before our eyes, said the World Meteorological Organization chief. The organization experts show at the same time that the energy sector, besides being a major source of emissions that are at the origin of climate change, is also vulnerable to the changes that accompany the warming of the planet. Heat waves and droughts lower the level of water courses, causing problems for hydropower plants and for cooling nuclear power plants, the experts explained. In turn, storms and other extreme weather phenomena damage infrastructure in many areas. A transition to renewable energy will help alleviate the growing stress on water supply, shows the report on the state of climatological services, an annual document which in 2022 focuses on energy. Because the amount of water used to generate electricity by solar and wind power is much lower than the amount used for more traditional power plants. But the current renewable energy pledges by countries fall well short of what is needed to reach the goal of universal access to affordable, reliable, sustainable and modern energy by 2030, said the World Meteorological Organization experts. To put the world on a net zero trajectory by 2050, the report concludes that renewable energy investments must triple by then. We have scientific data that show an acceleration of climate change, explained to Radio Romania Alexandra Bokshe, a state councillor with the Climate and Sustainability Department of the Presidential Administration, who also referred to the levels of ambition in different countries regarding the abandonment of polluting sources for energy production. If we look at the negotiations in recent years, we see a higher level of ambition all over the world and a recognition of the fact that the impact of climate change is visible and affects us all. Yes, we can indeed refer to India's and China's reluctance as regards the use of coal for energy and electricity generation. 
On the other hand, India and China have also faced extreme weather phenomena, which have led to very high losses, losses of human lives. We are acting in the field of climate, not only for our reason related to a green idealism, we are also acting for clear-cut economic reasons. Extreme weather phenomena, for instance, the floods and landslides in Germany cost $20 billion. Hurricane Ida in the US is estimated to have cost $75 billion. What I mean is that we are talking about very large amounts of money that we have to cover if we don't take action. And the more these extreme phenomena intensify, the harder costs will be, said Alexandra Bokshe. Entire regions of the globe will become uninhabitable in the coming decades due to more frequent and intense heat waves, warned the UN and the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies. Less than a month before COP27, which will take place in November in Egypt, the two bodies are calling for measures to prepare for future heat waves. They emphasize that there are limits beyond which people exposed to extreme heat and humidity cannot survive, and that there are also limits beyond which societies can no longer adapt. The imprints of climate change and human activity are felt everywhere. Such an example is the desertification of land to the point where nothing grows on it. Statistics show that it already affects more than 100 countries, 13 even from Europe, and a billion people directly bear the consequences of this phenomenon, the first consequence being the food crisis. According to estimates, soil desertification has reduced terrestrial agricultural productivity by 23% worldwide, and in the future, a third of the currently cultivated land is under the threat of desertification. What can we do? How important is the energy transition to the climate transition? Alexandra Bokshe is back with details. Când vorbim de tehnologii noi și investiții, sigur ne putem uita la solar fotovoltaic. When we talk about new technologies and investments, we can certainly think of solar electricity panels for energy generation, but we can also think of household appliances that are more energy efficient. We can also think of measures aimed at increasing the energy efficiency of homes through superior insulation systems. We can equally think of cars and means of transport that are sustainable, said Alexandra Bokshe. However, all measures must be taken before it is too late, because the consequences of climate change are already being felt in the Arctic region. Researchers have found that because of these changes and the subsequent retreat of sea ice, a larger area of seawater originally covered by ice was exposed to the atmosphere, which leads to a faster absorption of atmospheric CO2. This causes drastic ocean acidification and the reduction of the ocean's ability to act as a buffer to the impact of global warming. And that's all from The Future Starts Today. This is Radio Romania International, cultural event.
Hello, I'm Elena Enake. New York and Chicago in the United States and Gatineau in Canada are hosting exhibitions that bring together archaeological items from 11 European countries, including Romania. Thus, the international public can learn about old cultures and bring a new historical perspective on these places, traditions and customs. Cristiana Tataru, representing the Romanian National History Museum, tells us more about it. The exhibition Ritual and Memory, the Ancient Balkans, is part of a project that started three years ago and is called First Kings of Europe, which is coordinated by the Field Museum of Chicago. They had the chance to receive an extraordinary grant from the American government, which is called National Endowment for Humanities, Democracy Wisdom, a grant that not many museums in the United States manage to get. And it's a great opportunity because museums in the United States don't have a lot of Neolithic, Bronze Age and Early Iron Age heritage in their collections. That is why the pieces that we present in these exhibitions, three exhibitions, are absolutely extraordinary for the American public. The exhibitions, first of all, want to bring to public attention the transition between the Neolithic and the Bronze Age, that is the transition from peaceful communities of people who lived in small communities to communities led by leaders. How were leaders born? How did aristocracy arise in communities? Given that, unfortunately, we don't have in the Balkan space written texts from the Neolithic, the Bronze Age and the beginning of the Iron Age, the object, in fact the archaeological discoveries, tell the story of the birth of the kings. That was Cristiana Tataru. The National History Museum of Romania, with the support of the Buzău County Museum, the National Museum of Oltenia in Craiova, the Piatra Neamț National Complex, the National History Museum of Transylvania, and the Gubmelnica Civilization Museum in Oltenica, managed to collect a total of 94 artifacts, starting with the Neolithic period until the beginning of the Iron Age. They are absolutely special pieces and the chance to see them in the same place with pieces from 11 other Balkan countries such as Croatia, Albania, Bulgaria, Bosnia and Herzegovina was completely unique because there are many things that unite us with these countries. How was the exhibition received by the American public? And how can Romanians see in the virtual environment the exhibition Ritual and Memory from New York Cristina Tataru tells us all about it. The New York exhibition opened on September 22nd at the Institute for the Study of the Ancient World, a young institute at the New York University, and the world was extremely excited. There are already very positive reviews in the press. And although it is a small exhibition, only 200 pieces from this very large selection being displayed in two rooms, it is very elegant and queues are already forming at the entrance to the Institute. You have been listening to Cultural Events today about the exhibition Ritual and Memory in New York. Next in this program, Sports. Welcome to the latest in football. 
Romanian football champion CFA Cluj are one big step closer to advancing to the playoffs of the Conference League European competition. They defeated the Czech side Slavia Prague 2-0 at home and after four legs are now in the lead in Group G. The first to open the score for CFA was Ciprian Dak from a penalty kick 11 minutes into the match, while the second and final goal came on minute 85 from the Brazilian international player Yuri. CFA had already defeated Slavia Prague last week 1-0 in their away match. In the other Group G fixture, the Turkish side Sivaspor defeated FC Balkan in Kosovo 2-1 and are now in second place in the group with the same amount of points as CFR 7. FC Balkan are in third place and Slavia Prague in fourth, each teams with four points but with different goal averages. In Conference League Group B, the Romanian side FCSB played at home against the Danish side Silkeborg, losing 5-0, just like last week in Denmark. In the other group match, the English side West Ham United defeated the Belgian side Anderlecht 2-1 at home. West Ham United are in the lead in the group with a maximum of 12 points. Silkeborg are in second place with 6 points, Anderlecht in third with 4 points, and FCSB are bottom of the group with just one point. In domestic football, the 14th leg of the Romanian Super League is taking place this weekend. Friday's matches are FC Argeș versus FC Voluntari and Hermannstadt versus Rapid Bucharest. On Saturday, FC Botoșani are receiving FC Craiova, Farul Constanța are playing Universitatea Cluj, and Universitatea Craiova are playing Petrol Ploiești. On Sunday, Kindia Târgoviște are playing Mioveni, and FCSB are playing UTA Arad on the National Arena in Bucharest. In the final leg match on Monday, CFA Cluj are facing Sepsis Gheorghe. Farul Constanța topped the ranking with 30 points, followed by Rapid Bucharest with 25. And that's all in sports. Listening to Radio Romania International. Next in this broadcast, it's music highlights. Welcome, I'm Mihaela Ignatescu. We devote today's edition to double bass player Ovidiu Badila. He was born on October 18, 1962, in Constanza, in the southeast of the country, and died too soon on March 21, 2001, in Trieste, Italy. However, he managed to go down in history as one of the most valuable double bass players of the 20th century. To start this music program, here he is performing Grande Allegro di Concerto alla Mendelssohn by Giovanni Bottesini, accompanied on the piano by his wife Antonella Constantini. Thank you. 
Despite the fact that there are not too many scores available to double bass players, Ovidio Badila's repertoire was quite vast and diverse. He won many prestigious awards and collaborated with famous artists and conductors, including Leonard Bernstein and Yehudi Menuhin. He was also a gifted professor, and the Music University in Bucharest awarded him the title of Dr. Honoris Causa. In the second part of today's show, we invite you to listen to a fragment from the famous Rococo Variations by Piotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky, performed by Ovidio Bodile together with the Ipomeriggi Musicali Orchestra of Milan, under the baton of Marco Zuccarini.
Living Romania. Coming up next in this broadcast, stay tuned for... Artscape. Hello, I'm Cristina Matescu. Welcome to Artscape. Today we'll talk about an interactive digital project that combines architecture and music. But first let's go to London for the launch of a novel set in Bucharest before and during World War II. Romanian-born American film editor Dov Hunning was 86 when the French publishing house Robert Lafont brought out his first book in 2018. Now also published in English by the UK independent publishing house Istros Books under the title Triumph Street Bucharest, the book is a coming-of-age story set in the Romanian capital before and during World War II, at a time when anti-Jewish sentiment was rife. Speaking at the launch of his book in English, hosted by the Romanian Cultural Institute in London, Honing sums up the book and explains the title. It is a story about the Jewish family um, during World War II in Romania. It was quite a dark and, uh, and sad period of time for the Romanian people and for the Jewish community in Romania. And the center of the, of the book it's, um, it's the hero of the book, um, his name is Bernard, and uh, he uh, left Romania, um, his parents, his family, and uh, went to Israel a little bit before the state of Israel was uh, a state. And uh, it's the story of uh, all his adventure, his first love, his first uh, disappointments, his first successes, and that's why um, the name of the book is Triumph Street. I choose it because it represents the triumph of this boy that now, that despite all the difficulties and all what he went through, realized his uh, dream to go to Israel. Dov Honing left Romania in 1947, following the coming to power of the communist regime. He first went to Israel, where he lived in various kibbutzes, doing a variety of jobs, from sailor to journalist and film critic, before he left for France in 1965. It's in France that he lands his first job as a film editor, a profession that later took him to Hollywood, where he worked on such productions as The Fugitive, The Last of the Mohicans, Operation Thunderbolt, Under Siege and Collateral Damage, among others. I uh, have uh, edited many, many movies in Hollywood. Uh, you will find my name if you look on Google. Uh, what are the movies? And one of them received the Oscar. And uh, I decided to leave the profession at a certain moment and to start to write a book which I carried inside me for, for many, many years. The book is not an autobiography. It's considered to be an autobiography for many people because it's uh, written as a first person. But uh, I didn't want to write an autobiography. I always thought that autobiographies are for famous people. I mean, 
they have something. Well, I wasn't famous. I was a, a film editor who decided to write a book, which was a very, very courageous and dangerous decision because it's not easy to write books. And of course, due to the fact that I was a film editor, there is an influence. Uh, it helped me. I'm constructing the book. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Triumph Street was originally written in French, a language Honing felt more familiar with. Having left Romania early, he says his Romanian was too rusty by the time he finally wrote his novel. And moving from one kibbutz to another, he says he never really acquired any formal education in Hebrew. A lover of French culture and literature, he decided he was going to write it in French. For the English translation, he went to Scottish writer and academic Gavin Baud, who speaks Romanian, has visited the country many times and has written widely on Romanian culture and politics. Here's Gavin Baud, who attended the London launch of Dov Honing's novel via the internet. Dov wrote to me, it came out of the blue, so saying, you know, I've, I've carried this novel around with me. I really liked your translations of Welbeck. I mean, I've been translating Welbeck since in 1995, but also I, I do have a big interest in, in Romania. I've written books on Franco-Romanian relations, for example, uh, Paul Moron and Romania, Emmanuel de Marton, and I've been doing work on uh, Britain and Communist Romania. And I've also uh, written a novel about post-communist Romania, which should be coming out uh, in this and he sent me the novel and uh, it, looked, it was just up my street the stuff to do with romania and interwar period I, I did write a book in that was published in romania as a memoria razmoyului which was about the romanian remembrance of the second world war so that kind of subject um, really uh, touched me gavin baud also spoke about the biggest challenges of translating honing's novel from french into english Descriptions of movement and space and uh, nominalization. They love nouns while we like verbs. So, so there was the added element of words, terms, you know, in, in Romanian and in Hebrew and, and, and Yiddish. You know, that, that, was an, that was the extra the, the extra challenge, I thought. Just one thing I'd add, yeah, the literary element, but also the sort of cinematic element. The, the the passages in the in the in the novel you know the description for example of the eastern front and the katusha rockets firing or the bombardment of bucharest and was it april 1944 yeah that that was a it was very beautiful but it was a great challenge to you know to, to rise to you know as as a translator Despite writing his novel in French, Dov Honing is a great admirer of the Romanian language and poetry, and especially of folk literature. The folkloric poetry is sensational, and uh, it's impossible to translate to other language. So people, they don't know about the richness, and the richness of the language is extraordinary because of the incredible influence of the peasantry. Most of the poets and most of the writers have originated from the peasant uh, class in Romania. And that's also something which is very typical, very uh, different. That was Dov Honing, whose novel Triumph Street, 
Bucharest is now available in an English translation. First launched in Bucharest in 2021, the digital project Houses of Musicians now has expanded to Timish County in Western Romania, while also further developing its Bucharest content. Monica Isacescu from Radio Romania's music channel, who initiated the project, explains the idea behind it. The idea is based on a wish to bring together on a map the houses of the most important musicians who made history in the Romanian capital. We tried to create a miniature city, and the houses included are some of the most diverse, dating from the early 19th century up until now, because these houses are not simply functional structures, they are witnesses to history. A digital map was created, connected to a website in both Romanian and English, containing information about the musicians, architectural descriptions of the houses, as well as a section entitled Testimonies. It features interviews with people related to the musicians or who knew them. Apart from the houses where the musicians used to live, the new section of the website dedicated to Timish County also documents other places connected to the musical life of the community. One such interesting place is the Timișoara Beer Factory, which in 1847 hosted Johann Strauss's first concert outside Vienna, with Timișoara being at the time under Austro-Hungarian rule. Houses of Musicians also has an interactive component, with all those who know of other houses inhabited by musicians or have stories about these houses being invited to share them. And that's all in Artscape today. Focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. Next in this program is Simply Folk. Listen to Gheorghe Turda with a song about longing. Yeah. 
And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next programme for Western Europe at 1700 hours UTC on 9760 kHz in the DRM system and on 11850 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programmes tomorrow at 1100 hours UTC on 15320 and 17670 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at ri.ro. Goodbye. <laughs>